here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. Yeah. I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all names. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. It's a different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be courtside seat. and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> Ooh, welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. We have lots to do today on a post-trade deadline special of the program. You might have to cop yourself some new Rangers gear. See what I did there from all the new players that they have added to the roster. It is dad joke season. Larry Brooks will join us at the New York Post, of course to talk about all the moves and what the Rangers have added. We also will talk with now friend of the program, longtime voice of the New York Rangers on MSG Network. That would be Sam Rosen. But first, we have two hosts that were not traded at the trade deadline. They are here alive and well to talk all about the blue shirts. That would be the queen of the post, Molly Walker, and her co-host, Rangers great number 10, Ron Well, hi, everyone. And yes, the trade deadline has come and it's gone. Anticipation was big. Not quite knowing whether the Rangers, Chris Jury, was going to go big, all in. And what he was thinking, top three? Do we need top three player? Do we need top two defensemen? Do we need goaltending, backup goaltending? We weren't sure. And so here it is. We, uh, we've had one game to look at the additions. Unfortunately, it didn't go so well. They play against the Devils, and the Devils, being the spoilers, played really well. Something we'll chat about later. But, yes, I have a level of excitement because we have Sam Rosen on today, who is the voice of the Rangers, very likable guy, loves the team, lots to talk about. By the way, welcome to the Rangers, and that's Andrew Kopp, Justin Braun, and Tyler Mott. And so we've seen these guys play one game. And it was kind of a mixed bag because the Rangers had just come off winning two big games. So mostly you would think that that would have been a carryover going into the Devils game, especially with the additions, but not so. It did. Well, it came out first period and they scored those two goals and after got relaxed and and I completely understand why. But moving forward, I think there's a level of excitement with what Chris Jury has done. He didn't give up a whole lot. And he got pieces that will make a difference going into a playoff run, which could be very short with the competition out there, or they may go the distance. All this we're going to discuss today with Molly. Molly, uh, what are your general thoughts on with the additions? Are you disappointed? Are you excited? Are you, what is it that, because a lot of us were thinking, are they going to go for a an impactful player that would be on the top two lines, but that's not the case. They decided to go bottom two line. Yes. And, you know, I think that was, that was the, the right moves to go in. And the kicker of the entire thing was just like you said, Ron, jury didn't give up a whole lot. And by a whole lot, he gave up a handful of draft picks, which the Rangers don't need. And it, it was kind of funny to see some people get upset about some of the halls for like, Andrew Kopp, I guess you could say, because that was probably the biggest one. But the Rangers 
do not need to be making any of those draft picks, really. They have been coming out of their ears in top draft picks the last couple of years since the 2018 rebuild letter and even a couple of years before that. So real kudos to Drury for for the deals that he was able to get done. And we'll get into them right now. First deal of the day, 35-year-old right-handed defenseman Justin Braun from the Flyers in exchange for a 2023 third round pick. Braun said, said he's a defense first defenseman and he likes to get the puck to the forwards as soon as humanly possible which I'm sure a lot of Rangers fans would like to hear he has a 1.8 million cap hit and he is a pending unrestricted free agent second deal 27 year old utility forward Andrew Kopp as well as a 2023 six rounder from the Jets in exchange for Morgan Barron two conditional second round picks and a 2023 fifth rounder conditions are one 2022 second rounder will become a first if the Rangers can reach the Eastern Conference final and cop plays half the games. Jets get to choose between the Blues 2022 second rounder or the Rangers one in 2023. So going back on that real quick, I mean, those are some great conditions to have that jury would be willing to make that one into a first. And, you know, like Ron said, really, it is a toss up. Would I be surprised if the Rangers get swept in the first round? No. Would I be surprised if they went to the, all the way to the Stanley Cup? No. So I think that was a really great condition to have in there. Cop said he can play the right, left, center, PK, power play, all situations. And he played some major shorthanded minutes against the Devils. All three did, but Cop did mostly. $3.64 million per year deal is set to expire this off season. And this is the guy that I put my money on that the Rangers are going to try to re up in the off season. Last one, 27 year old forward, Tyler Mott acquired from the Canucks in exchange for a 2023 fourth rounder says he finds finds his home on the penalty kill, but he also likes to use his speed on the four check. Also a pending UFA with a cap hit of what, 1.225 million. I heard this guy's a workhorse character dude open about his mental health struggles strikes me as a good locker room guy. So I really overall, if we're going to go for grades, I'd like to hear your grade Ron, but I'd give the Rangers like a solid a minus. I really would. They fortified the bottom six. They didn't give up a whole lot. And I think that was the key there. They're still got guys like Nils Lundqvist, Vitaly Kravtsov to hang out into in the market in the off season, which I think will be better accommodating for whatever jury wants to do. So Ron, what, what's your grade? Watching the game against the devils and looking at these players, I was really focused in on watching them in particular and just to see, are they different, how they play the game? But when I think about the bottom two lines, uh, most coaches and managers who've won the Stanley cup, well, they'll, they'll talk about their third and fourth line, how they make a contribution because the top two lines in playoff hockey, because it's such tight checking that uh, sometimes they get neutralized. It really comes down to your third line, fourth line guys who are able to go against the opposing third and fourth line guys, uh, chip in a goal. And uh, so I think jury realized that. And we've talked about this in the past. Like we can look at our fourth line, which is a good checking line with Reeves and uh, Rooney. But it was that third line that I felt like needed to have some strength and no real identity to that line. And I think that uh, with the players that they've added, they're going to be able to move their round, especially when Rooney comes back, Kako comes back, even with Goche. What does that mean for Goche now? So they do have the players now. They have the depth of being able to just use the players to have balance 
all the way through all the fourth line. So I think he did a good job there. Uh, but to back things up a little further, going into the goaltending position, of course, we have Shesterkin. And uh, then we have Gurgiev that played the game of his life in Carolina. So, And then he happens to do that just before the trade deadline. So I, I believe that they felt that they didn't need to go after a backup goaltender, which is not always an easy thing to do. So overall, I mean, time will tell. Time will tell if this thing works, but these players are not young players. They're older players. They're experienced. They play a lot of games in the NHL. And I think that uh, they're going to make a contribution. It just depends on how Coach Galland is going to use them. Ron, what is your grade? Molly gave an A minus. We need your report card grade on the Rangers trade. Them. I was hoping for a top six player, I uh, an impactful player. I, uh, I was a little disappointed, but one thing I know with the Rangers, they can score goals. With what they have, they're capable of scoring goals. And really their weakness, their weakness has been to defend. When things get loose, like we saw against New Jersey, sometimes they have to score three, four goals just to win a game. So defensively, they could have gotten stronger. And sure enough, that's what they did. So I, I would, I'm giving them a, a B plus and, uh, you know, time will tell. The one thing I do want to say, too, that I thought was also a bonus part of these three guys coming in, specifically Mott and Cop, which I love that they kind of rhyme. But we were talking to them the other day and they all know each other already. That's like a huge thing that I think that people aren't really putting as much emphasis on. The Rangers have such a unique locker room dynamic right now. They've got the core that they're all buddies and the the camaraderie in the room right now is really something special. It's really, I, I've seen it with the Islanders. Like I know when things are really good in the locker room. And I really feel that coming out of the Rangers right now. And I think that the fact that Cop basically grew up with Jacob Truba. They played in like midget minors together, the U.S. national development team at Michigan. Same with Mott. Frank Vachaner was also on the U.S. national development team. Like they're all friends and they all have basically grown up together, it feels like. So there's a familiarity there. There's pre-existing friendships there. So these guys coming in are not not even in the slightest going to, you know, change the dynamic of the room, I think. So I think that that was a, a major plus for them, too. I mean, Ron, you've had players come in like have have you ever seen the dynamic change like that? I, I think that that's something that the Rangers completely avoided. Yeah, well, that's when you look at a manager like Chris Drury, when you when you're a guy that's you have a player, a guy that's played the game, he understands the character of the team that you don't want to disrupt whatever is going on. So that had to be considered. I'm sure Chris went to the players say, hey, what about so-and-so? What are your thoughts on him? What will he be like in the dressing room? And that's something to consider because you don't want to mess with that going into the playoffs, you know, because you have a guy that's a little bit off. Uh, he changes things around. Uh, some guys come in, it's all me, me, me. And others are just team guys. And so that's always something to consider. So I'm sure Chris did his homework and he could see that there were some friendships with players already on the team. So really that, that makes a difference. The player that we're not talking about is uh, Frank Vetrano who come in, you know, about a week or so before. He is part of that squad, and he's getting some quality ice time on the top line. And and I agree. I mean, I'm watching him play. He's got speed. He's got good hands. He can shoot. So why not uh, give him that opportunity to see 
if he can play in a top line, whether he can or not. But it's just basically giving him some confidence that we believe in you. But what have you seen in him so far? Because I think he's played like four games and uh, three or four games. What have you seen in him? I you know, your general impressions of him. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same um, as you. I think he's brought some more speed to that Panarin Strom duo. I think that the first couple of games that obviously, I mean, nothing against the Devils really looked good. <laughs> so we can't even, I, it really is a shame that that was the first game that we saw all three, three of the new guys in because it was, it was hard to evaluate them. But I, I do think Frank Vetrano brought brings some speed to that second unit. And I do think that he has some um, scoring capabilities. And I, I mean, it was, it was fun to ask him about, I mean, this guy went from playing, I think he was on the fourth line, I think uh, in Florida. And suddenly he's on the second line next to Artemi Panarin. Like that's, that, you know, that was quite a transition for him. So he, he was talking about how it was unbelievable and, and to play next to such a talent like that. So I think that, you know, when players recognize that, they're always able to kind of, you know, in the back of their mind, they've they've got to read off of him. All right. Joining us next to talk about those moves and everything Rangers is the voice of the Rangers, Sam Rosen, right here on Up in the Blue Seats. Occasionally comes up with a good idea. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Our very special guest is a dear friend of the program. You can recognize his voice anywhere. Please welcome the voice of the Rangers, Sam Rosen. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Thanks, Molly. I'm fine and looking forward to a good day. Me too, Sam. I have to start by saying the funniest thing happened during the introductory press conference for the new three new guys the other day. Sam was obviously just on the side listening and maybe asking a question or two. And his phone went off and it was the NFL on Fox intro. <laughs> and Sam was like, oh, like as anybody would when when their phone goes off in the middle of a guy's answer. So he quickly like scurried out of the room and Andrew Kopp was like, that's a fine. And just like <laughs> cut off his answer immediately and just then continued speaking as if nothing happened. It was so funny. We were all cracking up about it after the fact. <laughs> well, when John Tortorella was around, it was a fine, yes. <laughs> That's a fine. That's a fine. All right. So, Sam, we're going around and, and giving the Rangers a grade on how they did on trade deadline day. What is your answer? A minus. That's what I think. I think they addressed needs and they did it in such a fashion that they didn't break up the core of the team that has created a terrific uh, season thus far and has potential to uh, now uh, have a good, a possible good run in the playoffs. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, they needed some more production, experience, grit, and uh, the in the bottom six. And I think they they did that. And it may take a couple of weeks for it to show, but there's no doubt that the players they brought in are quality guys and that have real valuable experience. And will help this team. When you look up and down the lineup, the biggest problem, as as you heard the other day, Molly, from Gerard Gallant, will be the decisions that he'll have to make when everybody's healthy. He's going to have 27 players. He's going to have to sit out seven good players up in the press box who are dying to play. And it will probably be ticked off 
that they're sitting in the press box. Right. I totally agree. But, you know, I do think that this team could use a healthy dose of lineup competition. <laughs> Why do you feel <laughs> that? I don't know about that. I, no, I, you don't. I think that that pushes players. I think that that creates, you know, especially when you have such a good locker room dynamic like the Rangers do, I think they'll look at it as like pushing each other and, you know, wanting to, you know, fight for ice time, but in like a healthy, you know, good locker room way, I do think. But I haven't sensed any complacency on the part of the players at all this season. The top guys, what's really impressed me is that top players have had all had outstanding seasons. Panarin, uh, Strom, Zabanajad. Kreider, Fox, uh, up and down the lineup. The best players have been the best players just about night after night. I agree with that. And, you know, one thing I wanted to to talk about with you, Sam, that we didn't get to address in the uh, opening segment. First game, obviously, all three guys were going to go in. But one of the most controversial ones was Justin Braun going in for Braden Schneider. Now, you know, just to get it on the record, I it's a seniority thing, I think, in my opinion. You know, you're not going to put the two new guys and, you know, the third one sits. You know, I don't think that they were going to do that. And then naturally you take the rookie out of the lineup. Um, and I think it sounded like Schneider took it well. Gallant talked to him about it. That being said, if we don't see Schneider for a really long time, I don't necessarily think that's the best course of action to go. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on going with Braun over Schneider in that first game. That might have been some of the competition that you spoke about. But I think looking at Gerard and looking at his background and the way he approaches the playoff situation, I think uh, he he likes Braden Schneider, but I think he might be a little reluctant to go into a playoff series against one of these excellent teams in the Eastern Conference, whoever they play, uh, with Braden Schneider as a key player. So I think he wants to see what he has in Justin Braun. You know his experience. He's 100 playoff there, games. Right, all the playoff games he's been in. So I think he's looking to see how will sh- the two older defensemen, Schneider and Nemeth, work together. Uh, excuse me, rather Braun and Nemeth. How will they work together? Because he's seen how Schneider and Nemeth work together. And that's been pretty good. And I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm rooting for Braden Schneider. I, I like what I see so far. There's great potential ahead. And he looks like he could be one of the real promising players on this team for several years. Sam, you got to interview Alexi Lafreniere the day of, or the day after getting drafted or drafted first overall, you spoke to him then. And now you've talked to him. You've seen where he is now. How would you how would you explain his progress and who he is today with having several games under his belt? I think the progress is slow, but I think it's uh, become more visible in the uh, middle portion of the season. And as we head toward the end, I I think when. Gerard Gallant put him on the right side of uh, Zabanajad and Kreider. That was a good move because those two players are respected in the in the room, respected on the bench, and I think uh, Alexei can learn a lot and has learned a lot from them. I've seen there's been several games, not every game, but several games where you see him engaged physically, and that's impressive. 
He's not just thinking, oh, I've got to have the puck on my stick and I've got to dangle and I've got to make plays and I got to look good at. No, he's done the work. He's gone into the corners. He's worked behind the net. He's worked in front of the net. And it's still a learning process. And Ron, I think what we have a tendency when we act as fans to want immediate gratification from this number one pick. He's only 20 years old. He's only 20 years old, and it's his second year in the league, but he's coming along. Unfortunately for him, he's thrust in a very important role, and that is on that top line. Now, that may change. Uh, Gerard Gallant will, I, I think, in these last couple of weeks, will start to experiment. He might put in Andrew Kopp up there and see how that works. He, might, he can always put Barkley Goodrow up there because Barkley Goodrow works with everybody. But I think Alexei Lafreniere is still in this learning stage, can still contribute, and the coach is kind of mentally monitoring his ice time and how he's doing during games. You've been close to the players. You've been around dressing rooms, and you know the importance of the character of the team, the bonding of players. And they brought in a player... Ryan Reeves, who um, we see what he does on the ice, but how would you describe him? What's your relationship with him? How do you describe him as, as far as his strength to the team? I think Ryan Reeves brings a, just makes you kind of stand up a little taller. I think the players appreciate everything that he does. He gets about nine or 10 minutes of ice time a game and makes the most of it. There it, Hardly is a game where you don't notice Ryan Reeves hitting someone along the boards. Uh, in those game, the games against Tampa, uh, he stood up and, and he fought with Pat Maroon, uh, Maroon after Maroon had bumped uh, Igor Shesterkin. That's, that's the presence. There was one game earlier this season where he was a scratch and Jacob Truba laid a hit on somebody, one of those perfectly timed, solid hits, send the Trooper guy train hits. <laughs> and you're right. And, and he had to defend himself against the fourth line player. If Ryan Reeves had been in the lineup that night, it never would have happened. Ryan Reeves uh, gives a, 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 off a, a strength to other shows, other teams that the Rangers cannot be pushed around, cannot be bullied on the ice. And I don't think we'll ever see with Ryan Reeves present in the lineup an incident such as we had last year with the Washington Capitals and Tom Wilson. So, Sam, I have to ask you about uh, whenever your name comes up, and I've been around a long time, you've been around a long time, when fans bring up your name and Joe, you're a very likable guy. <laughs> and Thanks, Ron. Yeah. yeah. And... So what is it about your work that you really enjoy doing? What is it? Is it is it the work itself? Is it your relationship with the players, the fans, or is it a little bit of all of it? Well, one of the things over the last couple of years that I miss the most is being in the locker room on practice days and being able to sit next to a player and say, how are you doing? How are things? Uh, how's your family? How's your mom? How are things back in Canada? How are things back in Finland? How are things in Sweden? I really miss that. We, we haven't had that. You see the players. We see them a little bit in the lobby of hotels. 
We see him a little bit outside of locker rooms. We see him on the plane, but you can't just hang with the players on the plane. You walk by, you say, hey, how are you? I know the other night after the uh, the game in Carolina, walking by Alexander Georgiev and and just fist bumping with him and saying, hey, you were, you've never been better. And, you know, it. I could see he smiled and accepted that. I wish I could have sat down and spoken with him uh, about his game. Uh, but that that's what I miss, Ron. But uh, to to your question, I love the sport. I love all sports. I'm a, I'm a sports fanatic. And when it comes to hockey, this is a love. And it's something that I try to transmit to our audiences every night. Whatever the score, whatever the game, I want to let them know that I'm loving what I see and that I appreciate that we're seeing the best players in the world play on the ice. I mean, when I step back sometimes and think of the players that we've had in New York, including yourself, uh, because you had some superb years with the, with the Rangers, but we had Mark Messier and Marcel Dion and Mike Gartner and Phil Esposito and, and Wayne Gretzky and Brian Leach and on and on and on, the greatest players to ever play the game. And I've been, I've been able to see them night after night, and I want to let people know what this game is all about and what these players are all about. And that goes for the other teams as well. Mario Lemieux to this day, I see Mario in Florida on the golf course and it's great to walk up to him and shake his hand and, and let him know how, how much he meant during his time in the NHL as a player. So I totally appreciate that. And I try to get that across to the fans who are watching. Sam, last one before we let you go. You are the only living Rangers play-by-play man to call a Stanley Cup. Do you have dreams of calling another? And is this a cup year for the Rangers? And will Molly have to cancel her vacation? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Those are interesting questions. I do have a dream of calling another Stanley Cup. Uh, and I certainly hope that will come to fruition. I think it's not too far in the distant future. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I don't think they're quite there yet, but they're getting closer. And I'm not saying it can't happen because they've got a goaltender who can play out of his mind uh, at times and carry this team. And they have high-end players. And now those players in the bottom six who during the playoffs become so important Tampa Bay couldn't have won the Stanley Cup without Barkley Goodrow, without Coleman, without uh, Yanni Gord. They need those bottom six players to contribute in the playoffs. And the Rangers now have some quality guys there. So this is a team that has potential to go deep into the playoffs. I think when we see Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco become major contributors, the Rangers will be playing for the Stanley Cup. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Sam, for your time. And uh, we'll definitely get you back on the show later in the season. Sounds good. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Jake. It's a pleasure. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face? 
<laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of the team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, like guys were walking around in their bathrobes. Like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right. Can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We- it's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, welcome in Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy at NYPost.com in the physical copy of the paper and at our beloved Post Sports Plus. Larry, we're asking everybody that joins the show today, how would you grade the Rangers at the trade deadline and why? Well, probably uh, B, B plus somewhere in there. Listen, I think they got better. They uh, improved their depth for sure. They have a lot more options now in their third and fourth line, maybe even their second. And they probably improved their D a little bit. They did give up a lot of draft choices. You know, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's quite accurate to suggest that they gave up nothing in return for this. They, you know, they've gutted the drafts the next year. That's okay if this works out. And they and they really didn't address their top six issue, which has been a nagging one all year. So, you know, they're better. They didn't give up any of their blue chips. That's true. And so we'll see where it takes them. When I look at the three that they brought in on Monday, in my head, I'm thinking the most likely of the three that they're going to try to re-up, obviously pending how he does uh, down the stretch here, is Andrew Kopp in particular. Um, Do you agree with that statement? And I guess what is your personal scouting report on him? Well, I don't think they'd be able to afford him as a third liner. So I think Cop may be auditioning for them for a top six role, a lot depending on Ryan Strom's future here, whether he has one or not. But, you know, they seem to have a lot of pieces that they can look at. Again, though, Cop, I think, is going to be expensive. So and I I don't know that they have room for, you know, for adding very many expensive um, middle six pieces next year. You know, Tyler Mott's an an interesting, you know, fourth line candidate. But again, his, you know, his number is probably going to be too high for a fourth liner. So I think they're looking at these players as pure rentals. And if they can sign one, fine but i don't i don't really think that's the plan i have to say that you and i are both in agreement just about everything you've said so far uh both have given them a, a b plus andrew cop what they gave up i thought a little high but only time will tell and also i've made the comment that i felt like they really needed to address their top six but obviously that guy wasn't there for them and they could make the trade and and i can respect that because the rangers are capable of scoring goals we've seen that but defensively that's where their weakness is we've seen that against new jersey uh but the player i want to ask you about that's been around now for a week or so they just brought in vetrano how do you see him fitting in so far because they're playing him on the top line he's a little guy that's got speed he's got a shot do you see him making a difference or because i'm thinking I still like Gauthier. Kako's going to come back. Rooney's going to come back. And so how do you see uh, Frank Vitrano? Um, you know, I, I, I see him as adding some speed. I think he's more of a straight line player than, you know, than a number of the guys they've had over the last couple of years. He's um, willing to shoot the puck. I don't think he's their top six guy, but 
it looks to me like they're going to have somebody who's in their top six, who's their, you know, just by definition, you would not normally look at the guy, say, oh, top six, but he is going to be playing in the top six. So, you know, we'll see. I, I uh, it's, a, it's a fairly small line when they have Panera and Strom to Toronto. You know, um, I, I think Vetrano's listed as over six feet, but I'm not sure about that. You know, so, uh, you know, there's not a lot of muscle there on their right side if Vetrano's playing there. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. The only thing I, I you know, the, the one disclaimer, you know, or caution, I, you know, I'm not so sure you know, what we're going to see from Kako. Now it's, it's a, and, and even Rooney, but because we're, but Kako now we're talking about the first week of April at, now the earliest, right? So that would leave him about three, three and a half weeks to get ready for the playoffs after not having played for like 10 or 11 weeks. You know, it's very, very difficult to come back after losing that much time. So we'll see. But I would think that uh, knowing Gallant, he would want him to be playing in the top six if he can get up to pace. So maybe he goes back with Panarin and Strom for the playoffs. We'll see. It's still kind of early thinking and talking about playoff hockey, but you know, that that's why at the trade deadline, you're thinking you got to build your team thinking you're going to go deep in the playoffs and the Rangers being one of the top teams in the NHL, you're sort of thinking that although they're in a tough division, tough conference, uh, Molly made a comment early that she wouldn't be surprised they get beat out in the first round or she wouldn't be overly surprised if they get past the conference, end up playing possibly Colorado in the finals. What are your general thoughts after seeing what they've done and knowing that they have Shesterkin as a goaltender? You know, I think that's that's uh, I think Molly's observation is is shared by a lot of people. They they could get knocked out in the first round. They could win a couple of rounds. I I, I think it'd be very very difficult for them to win three rounds. I think with the players they've brought in though, there'll be a fair amount of experimentation over the next few weeks at least. And again too, you know, starting with Vetrano four new players in the lineup that you know that's four out of 18 that's a pretty that's that's a large percentage of new guys in the lineup and i'm a little surprised actually that chris brought in as many players to play because you know they've been a pretty cohesive unit most of the year they've been close they hadn't brought anybody in from the outside and now they brought in four and so i think it will take a little bit of time for this to shake out i think it'll take a little bit of time for players to find their roles for uh, the coach to uh, to find his perfect team. I um, against the Devils, they had Goodrow playing on the fourth line. Uh, when he's playing on the fourth line, it makes the fourth line better. But he probably isn't getting enough ice time. You know, I think he's a top nine guy for them. So, and then of course in the third period against the Devils, he was playing up with Panarin and Strom. So, I, I, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of different combinations over the next few weeks as, as they gear up. And then we'll see. They, they're going to want to tighten up their game and it may take them a little while bringing in all these players. Well, thank you so much, Larry, for your time. And we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Dukes. Have you had ramen noodles in your life, Ron? No. <laughs> 
Alrighty, Ron, that wraps up episode 81, the Marcel Hossa edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. And thank you, Jake, for producing your show and Andrew Hartz, another good show. Without ending this show, I have to make a mention to Andrew because I know he's a drummer and I know you guys are going to see Billy Joel tonight, correct? At the Garden, yes. Oh, okay. Well, I, I've been there a few times and uh, I don't know if you know this, but some of the guys are from Long Island and they're big Ranger fans. And so I one time and I stood by the stage and after the show drummer is it Mickey yeah and so he came over said hi introduced himself and he gave me this his stick from that show and he signed it for me and so the reason I bring this up because I know you're a drummer I would like to gift this to you if you will accept it. Wow. Oh, man, Ron, that's awesome. Thank you so much. That's 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 very, very cool. Hearts, do you need tissues? Are you emotional? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because I, I actually have a whole collection of drumsticks I've gotten from different drummers, and I've never gotten from him before. So that, that would be really awesome. Thank you, Ron. Well, okay, Bon Jovi band. Tell me about Tico. Have you met Tico? Tico Torres. No, actually, it's funny, though. I do know the makeup artist that does all the stuff for Bon Jovi's band, and she's very friendly with Tico Torres. But uh, Tico is one of my early favorite drummers that uh, studied and watched a lot. Okay, well, I'm not going to hold back. Get Tico out of Torres. here. What? Yes. <laughs> Are you gifting him that one, too? You're, you're giving him yes, two Yes, yes, wow. yes, oh. two. So... Whoa. Two's better than one. So, yes, these are our gifts that um, I did a, an event for him in 2006. And so, of course, he gave me his stick. And uh, and so I'm going to gift them to you. Oh, man, Ronnie, that's awesome, man. Yeah, Tico Torres is one of my favorite drummers of all time. That's so cool. Thank you so much. This was totally unplanned, by the way. This was unexpected. So I didn't even know what was coming here. So there you go. Good way to end the show. So we have to see each other in New York soon. Hell yeah. I owe you a few tequila shots and uh, definitely. That's 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 awesome. Thank you. Tequila Ronnie. for Tico. Tequila for yeah. sticks. That's a fair trade. Very nice. Wow, what a moment. Drumsticks being given away and Billy Joel at the Garden there every month and i haven't seen him in like a decade so i'm long overdue to see billy once again do us a favor give us a five-star rating write in a nice review on apple podcast you can also give us a five-star rating on spotify and while you're there if you're a mets fan go subscribe to amazing but true with me and nelson figueroa new episodes are now out every monday for number 10 ron duguay molly walker andrew hartz i'm jake brown we will return next thursday enjoy the next week of ranger games with your all-new roster and as always Thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seas. I like funky, weird things that no one would ever wear. Why not?